0: I'm Jenny Rerick.
1: I'm Jay Weedle, and you're you're listening listening to the the Fit to Speak podcast, podcast,
0: a show dedicated to helping coaches and trainers improve their communication, speaking, and presentation skills so they can better tell their stories. Welcome to episode one of the Fit to Speak podcast. Jay, how are you doing?
1: Jenny, all right. Thank you.
0: Today, we're going to talk. Well, we're going to start by opening up and talking a little bit about what fit to speak is and what we're doing with fit to speak. And then we decided to talk today about the importance of communication skills. It's something that has become more talked about, pun intended, and yet it's still on the fringes, I would say, of continuing education or professional development of what coaches are actually investing in. And we wanted to talk more about that, what stops coaches or fitness professionals from investing in developing their communication skills and some of the barriers that we really want to help you all overcome to take advantage of what developing these skills can do for you. You have anything?
1: Yeah, I think think that's a a really good point is that Communication is on the fringes right now. There are some professionals who are bringing communication skills, as you said, as you said, sorry, to, to coaches more specifically. And they're making huge impact. They're making huge impact because, and I mentioned this in, in our pre notes here, I think of communication between coach and client, a trainer and client, a coach and athlete, or whatever it might be, as Communication is the conduit by which we kind of get our job done. I can know everything in the world and I can be on one side of of a bridge. And if that bridge is kind of tattered and thin, there's a good chance that I'm not really going to be able to send my message very well across that bridge to my client or, or athlete on the other side. And so it doesn't matter what I know over here on one side of the bridge if I can't send it to them, if I can't communicate it in a way that's valuable, that they can understand, and it's clear sending it across the bridge, then I'm kind of dead in the water. I find it's very easy for coaches to find themselves on one side of a canyon shouting their message across and, and it not getting anywhere. And that's how I think of communication here and, and why it's so valuable, because clients don't know, or probably even care about what we know as coaches and as as trainers. And so the communication is the bit that basically synthesizes it, that we send it down this, this bridge, this great big bridge, trying to take it from a rope bridge to this great big suspension bridge by building up our communication and communicating in a way that people understand and value. And when I think of communication like that, it makes complete sense. We probably have enough of the X's and O's at this point. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm just simply saying that we have enough of the X's and O's and right now it's all just kind of built up on one side of this bridge and we could probably build a better bridge.
0: Yeah. I think a couple of years ago, there were, there were still, there was still a gap between people that had a lot more of those X's and O's than other coaches or trainers. And today it feels pretty even the access that we have just through the internet, and then all of these certifications, the workshops, all of those things, both virtually and in-person that are going on, it's really expected that everyone have a certain level of knowledge. And yet now you get so much knowledge, but really it collects dust unless you have the ability to give that to the people that it's actually going to help in a way that's relevant to them. Yeah. in a way that makes sense, that they can relate to something that they already know and understand. And yet still, that's what I see when I watch a lot of trainers and coaches work with their clients and athletes is they're relaying knowledge that they spent a lot of time in learning and gaining experience. In, and yet the way they're sharing it isn't at all resonating with the people they're sharing it with, because they're using words that their clients or athletes don't know. They're not putting it in terms of something that's really important to that person, because maybe they didn't even yet ask that person what's important yeah. to them.
1: Yeah, and I just heard you say the word there, which a very key word in your sentence was relevant. It's if it's not relevant to that person, or it's not being communicated in a relevant way then it's dead. It does, as you're saying, collect dust. It doesn't mean that it's not important. It means that we as coaches could do a better job in finding a way to make it relevant, especially, I don't mean to ever sound like I'm downplaying our profession. It is important that we know these things. Having said that, if I go to a breathing seminar and I think people could really benefit from it and I come back and I use exactly the same language or I try and just waterboard my clients with you know, breathing on day one, when they're here to feel better and lose 10 pounds, I'm I'm gonna leave that person high and dry. However, if I can synthesize it to them in a way that it makes sense to them and they can see the relevance to their goal and to their life, then I've got a much better chance, a much better chance of having them do it and see success from it.
0: I'm thinking right now of a couple that Brendan, my husband, trains they're in their 60s and a coach might talk to or imagine that, that in that age group, you want to start talking about losing muscle mass and power and all of those things that we hear. And yet, if you were to ask the two of them why they're in here, it has they don't care <laughs> that they're losing muscle mass or power. It's They just had grandchildren Mm -hmm. or what, how is this going to impact what they envision for their role as being a grandparent? And if a coach can't articulate their message through the lens of that, even though the coach might think it's more important to talk about the loss Mm -hmm. of power and how that's going to impact their bone density and all of these things, regardless of how important they think that information is, it's going to fall flat. And that, I mean, and that's what, that's why I started Fit to Speak and what brought you and I together is communication skills from my, from where I sit, the way they're talked about feels too complicated. Too comp- so much so that I think it prevents a lot of coaches and trainers from actually implementing some of these really simple strategies that can make an immediate difference. And everything that I've put out and now that you and I are working on related to fit to speak is about how do we just simplify some of these communication strategies? Because of course they're complex. Communication is not a, well, it is not the same for everybody there. It's totally nuanced, but just like some of what we teach our clients are their complex movements. They're nuanced. We try and simplify it for them. So they at least just try it. they try it. And that's what fit to speak for me is all about is how do we simplify some of these communication strategies so they feel simple enough that a coach or trainer, you listening to this podcast, you think, okay, I think I can do that. Because if Mm -hmm. you don't think it's simple, you're just not going to even try. And and that defeats the entire purpose of even talking about communication skills.
1: 100%. I think when we thought about topics for this first conversation, I think the question between the two of us came up is why do we think communication is overlooked as a skill for coaches? And in my mind, we have, there's two prominent reasons. Number one, it, it's perceived as too difficult. We likely all already have a style of communication that maybe we're unaware of, and we've, we've lent on it for this longer. So it doesn't feel like it's holding us back. I'm, I'm doing as well as I need to do. And so it seems like this great, big audacious thing that I would need to tackle. and as you're saying, it, it, we perceive it as, as complicated because well, because we've been doing it for, you know, I'm 35 years old. I've been communicating in some way, shape or form for 35 years. And so, you know, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. But having said that, there's always ways that we can get better at it. It doesn't have to be completely broken in order for me to address it. So that's number one. I think it's perceived as too difficult. And I think that's a great analogy that you just said there. When we as coaches, talk about the deadlift it's complex it's nuanced and what we try and do is find a way to boil it down to a way to to, in a realm that a client's understanding can take action on it communication could be the same way to us as coaches it doesn't have to be deep dives into textbooks and 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 overly complicated things it's not that and i would say that communication there's probably outside of the very obvious ones there's no clear black and white right or wrong there's best practices and there's say there's areas where we can say experientially and we know that this has worked in the past and this would be a great way for you to try and communicate this message to this person in this style at this time and it, it's just a tool and just like learning PRI or FRC or any of the other acronyms that people collect behind their names. It's just a tool to help people address the, the client in front of them. And oh, it's the tool. It is the tool. It is the tool that we use to do our job, you know, to, to kind of co-op something that you've said in the past there, which is coaching, sorry, communication is the tool that we use to do our job. So the first reason is we just, I just said there is like, I think it's probably perceived as too, too difficult it's not necessarily that and I'll also say that and this is tangentially related that it it's perceived as not particularly sexy it's not new it's not something that is front and center in health and fitness communication when we think about the new and the the cool we think about exercise modalities or pieces of equipment or you know new research into I don't know, diet and nutrition or whatever it might be. So we try and collect that because that's interesting to us. It's the outcomes that are interesting to the client. The method is probably not that interesting to them. And so if I go and collect information that I find interesting and then try and give it to my client without, as you were talking about earlier on, without it being relevant, then again, I'm, I'm dead in the water you've probably got enough, or we as coaches have probably got enough sexy X's and O's information at this point. More knowledge is probably not going to be helpful, super helpful. It's not going to have a disproportionate impact on the success of a job. What is going to have a disproportionate impact is can I do a better job communicating what I already know to the people in front of me in a way that they care about? That's going to be incredibly impactful, but it's maybe not particularly sexy. And so I think they're probably two kind of reasons why communication is overlooked as a, as, a, as a key skill.
0: You said a couple of things that I want to touch on. The first is you talked, you talked essentially about how we, we identify with the way we communicate because we've been doing it for 35 years. Our communication skills for many of us, most of us, are the simple result of social conditioning. When I think about up until the last five to seven years, when I think about how I communicated, it is a mirror of how my parents communicated. It is the result of habits I picked up to protect myself as a child in certain situations. It's the result of how I experienced coaching when I was playing sports, but it was never something I did with any intention. yeah. And so I think because our communication skills grow with us, we identify with our communication skills. And that's to your point about it being difficult. I think fear plays into mm-hmm. what you're saying as well as for me to want to pursue developing my communication skills. I also have to reconcile the fact that I am maybe... Also, going to experience some impacts on the way I perceive myself and my identity. And it may conflict with who I believe I am as a person. And yet, mm-hmm. what I've experienced in coaching people doing this for the last five years is your communication skills are not who you are. Because if you, unless, which is so few, unless you have actually worked on developing your communication skills with intention it's just been the result of circumstance. You are not how you communicate. In fact, you're probably not even yet close to your authentic self in terms of communication, because you're simply communicating as the result of social conditioning. So I think fear plays into that of, is this going to change me to sound like someone I'm not? It's really about just reminding yourself that, you never chose to communicate this way in the first place. Yeah. yeah, it's just you're kind of a melting pot of all the people mm-hmm. that communicate around you, and likely those people never communicated with intention either. And so there's so much room for improvement. And then you made a point about feet. You talked about deadlifting and your or split squats, and your client maybe wondering why you're doing split squat, split squats again. That is a form of feedback. Coaches mm-hmm. and trainers. We are getting feedback from our clients and the people we work with all day long. However, most of that feedback is indirect feedback, meaning no, I wouldn't be coming up to you, Jay, and saying, Jay, it's not resonating with me the way you're describing why we're going to do split squats again. No one would ever do that. (laughs) I wish they
1: would. That's That's so high. It would be really
0: awkward, but it would work really well.
1: It'd be and, incredibly helpful, very explicit. Okay, let me tell you more. Yeah, that w- <laughs> wouldn't that be great?
0: So because I'm not getting direct feedback from people about my communication skills, naturally, I'm going to assume that I'm doing just fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, not, it's not a really helpful way to look at it though, because you have to think you're not getting direct feedback because giving someone feedback about the way, the way they communicate is really uncomfortable. And also, so many of us don't necessarily understand what being more effective in communication looks like that I don't feel I have the knowledge to even give you feedback about your communication. And so I think there's two parts here. First is we could all improve in simply helping others improve their communication skills by telling them what my experience is like with that person. Because that's information for you, but also for coaches to realize If you're not getting feedback, that's not a good thing. It simply just means that you're not getting feedback and that's it. It's as simple as that. Pursuing or even just getting having someone watch you coach or assess your interactions and saying, do you know that you do this? Why did you say it like this? What was your intention when you explained it in this way? Mm -hmm. Those can start to bring some awareness of, oh, well, maybe that isn't the most effective way I could be doing it. The last thing I have to say, to your point about communication not being not being sexy is that I like to think about communication as a professional sport. I played sports my entire life. And I think a lot of coaches and fitness professionals have as well. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Once you become a professional and you get a job, if, if you lose that competitiveness or that drive to develop yourself to be a master of your domain mm-hmm. because you're not playing a sport anymore. But to me, what you're doing, if you're a coach, that is your sport and communication is your the talent that you're bringing and the skills mm-hmm. that you're developing to be the best in your quote unquote sport. I think mm-hmm. that simple shift in mindset can make communication skills sexy because you, you get to compete uh, against yourself. Mm -hmm. in something and developing the tool that you're using to do your job
1: yeah i think that's a great a great analogy there to to piggyback on top of that it's that you no longer are you the person scoring the goals if you're no longer the athlete it you just it's one step removed is if you're doing your job well your clients are going to see results they're going to keep coming back they're going to enjoy their training they're going to be more autonomous they're gonna whatever their goals are they're gonna be successful in their goals and they're gonna be the person that's you know scoring the touchdowns scoring the baskets whatever it is I don't know I I would just say scoring the goals but I was trying to Americanize that a little bit but yeah they're gonna be the people so you're I, I think you're right and I think to go back full circle there coaches often collect information that they're interested in because that's the thing that they've always done they've always thought well if i can get better at doing this thing i'm gonna try this out on myself and then that means i'll know it and i'll master it that's true it is helpful for you to be able to do the thing that, that maybe you want your client to do but if you're about to learn that thing and you can do it really well and you go to grandma betty who as you're saying like you know they just had a grandkids and they don't care about bone density and it, it, it doesn't if it doesn't matter to them if it's not relevant to them then if it's not communicated to in a way that's relevant to them then it's useless so knowledge is we've probably got enough and we can continue to collect knowledge just like you mentioned right at the very start there's an abundance of information everywhere you know the the pandemic allowed people to learn everything via zoom all the time at any point businesses were built have been built on mentorships and masterminds that are always being hosted online about unique to unique and niche to- topics it's there it's all available and you can get it at the you know the click of a button that's not the drawback here the drawback is being able to understand the person in front of you and tell tell them why it's important to them and their goals and and that's why this is such a muscle to be built and flexed for sure
0: yeah it feels like a mo- the modern day version of collecting baseball cards <laughs> Or anything, any collection. It's it's funny. Bre- Brendan collected baseball cards, I, I believe, as growing up. And I always ask, and I said, well, what what what's the point of doing that? Just because I enjoy collecting, and I think that's become a theme for a lot mm-hmm. of fitness professionals and coaches is yeah. collecting knowledge. And it's not to say that that's not a good thing if you enjoy mm-hmm. learning. My gosh, go for it. Yeah. But at some point too when you realize how much time you've invested in something, and then you also, on the other side, realize you don't feel confident in your ability to share that information with someone where they can do something with it and pr- improve their own life in some way, it, it, I feel like it leaves a little bit of a hole yeah. of saying, what was the point of doing that? It, It just doesn't do justice to the time that you invested.
1: And the the important thing to recognize there is that Brendan collected baseball cards as a hobby. If it was his full-time job to buy and sell baseball cards, you better believe that that lad would have every connection necessary and relationship necessary to be able to buy and sell and move baseball cards and make money. And so if we look at coaches learning new information as just something that they do to be in continuing education, to learn new stuff, that's fine the drawback comes or the mismatch of understanding comes when we actually realize that if that is not your hobby, if that is your job, then you better bloody understand how to tell the person in front of you why it matters to them. If you're just looking at communication, sorry, just looking at collecting information as it is fine, go for it. That's your hobby. You know, just like to, you know, read books and do stuff. great, but don't expect that to pay your wages because it bloody won't. (laughs) being able to tell the person in front of you why it matters will be the thing. So go back to that, my original analogy of like, all your knowledge over here, client, grandma, Betty, you know, executive Joe over here and this great big gaping chasm in front of them. And there's only a handful of ways that those two people can receive the information. They're going to receive them differently. And every person is going to receive them slightly differently. You've got to be able to get either a get closer to them be build a bridge that takes you back and forth across it over and over and over again so you can just kind of run this shuttle of information and that they actually can do something with it otherwise that's it It, it's not not that useful
0: we uh, so we talked about what the role communication skills can play but but there's even a a step prior to that and that's simply our success when we communicate is completely dependent on us knowing the person that we're communicating with, how, how they operate yeah. and, and those things. Can you talk a little bit about in your experience, what, what have you found in terms of tailoring your communication based on what your initial interactions with people that you're working with?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. Being able to do a lot of the work upfront in understanding the client is—it's really important. You can't learn everything all at once, but not everybody, especially if you work with gem pop like I have for I don't know, ten years through working at, at BSC, uh, working at a Big Box Gym. Uh, probably not allowed to say BSC, but working at a Big Box Gym, working at a gym that I founded and 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 owned, owned for for years. That not everybody's coming to me for the same reason. And so trying to understand the personality of the person in front of you is, is a big part of what is necessary for coaches to do up front. If everybody just gets treated exactly the same way when they first come in, it's great to have a system. It's great to have a program, a template to take people through, but the template is just the anchor point. And it's a place for you to be able to deviate right and left from. I used, you know, Grandma Betty and Executive Joe a second ago. They're coming to me most likely for very different reasons. Grandma Betty is, you know, looking to improve the quality of her life as she gets older and be able to play with the grandkids. I'm just hypothesizing here. You know, Executive Joe is stressed to the eyeballs. Got three kids, commutes an hour each way each day, and every decision he makes at work is is a, a high stress. If I treat Grandma Betty the way I would ideally treat treat Executive Joe, Grandma Betty's going to get a really crappy service, and she's going to be you know puking in the corner. It's not going to be great. And the opposite is also true. If I treat Executive Joe the way I would treat Grandma Betty, he's not going to come back to me. He's going to think, well, this is not this is not. I would imagine he's like, well, this isn't impactful enough. This is this this is not doing the thing that I thought hiring a personal trainer would would do. And so understanding the personality of the person in front of you, I think is key, it is going to be key for sure. It's, I think of it almost like a, it's like an operations manual, or like a, almost like an instructions manual for the person. I'm probably going to end up at split squats, deadlifts, push ups, and pull-ups, or, you know, some variation on those, <laughs> those exercises, but I'm trying to understand how they operate and what they value, what their preferences are, what their experiences are, which is incredibly useful. And I also think that something that people continuously overlook is preconceived notions and beliefs of what they think health and fitness looks like. The tagline on my website is it's not my job to tell people what they think about health and fitness is is wrong and that they should believe what I believe. I'm probably going to get them to deadlift split squats. As I just mentioned, they are the methods. The principles that I'm, the, the methods are can vary. The principles that I'm trying to get them to is, is to do more exercise, to get a little bit stronger, to eat more vegetables, whatever it might be. How I help them get there though is going to be very different. And it's, I have to consider their preferences, what they value, their experiences, their preconceived notions, their beliefs. I have to consider all those things. Because if I don't, and I just go in, straight as an arrow every time i'm gonna do both of them a disservice i'm, I'm gonna be a, a jack of all trades and a master of none and although that's there's value in that to begin with if you don't start to taper and tailor more and more and more towards the person through understanding as you get to know them more as you understand what they value i'm not going to see that client for very long because they're not going to get great results it's just, they're not going to get as good of results as they could do how about that
0: Yeah, I think, but I, and I think this is the, the exciting part part about communication skills is that it's a, it's constant problem solving. It's not, when I think about teaching communication skills, I'm not thinking about giving people, here's a framework and it's going to work every time because it certainly won't. It's about understanding the starting principles of what sets up effective communication. And then you at least have lenses that you can look through but the way you see through that lens for each of the people you're interacting with is going to be very different yeah and i that is so important to understand is that communication skills there are frameworks and tools you can use but that's not to say that everyone is going to respond to those in the same way that you would apply those in the same way in all situations. But I do think there are certainly some universal starting principles of communication that generally, if you understand you have self-awareness around and you have the confidence in understanding where you're trying to get to or the intention yeah. behind what you're doing, then you're going to be much more successful than you were in the past regardless that, that leads me to, I've been thinking a lot lately about the, when I talk about communication skills, how that can be really easily defined because it is a broad term to me. It feels a lot like when people say, oh, this is our mission or our vision. It feels Mm -hmm. just like fluffy, intangible language. And so that makes it feel less important but when i think about communication for me what i've come to what i've come to realize is that there's really five things we're aiming to do when we communicate and this is what i would call the starting principles is number 1 communication always starts as soon as there's an intention there an intention when we communicate is what's motivating me to participate or to to lead this communication and then what's my objective? What am I trying to get out of it? And if you don't understand those two things before you communicate, it's likely to lead to miscommunication because you don't, you're not even clear yourself of what you're trying to get to or what your intention or motivation is behind doing it. So I think intention is the first piece of this process. The second then is connection of communication works, When you find ways, whether that be through what you're doing with your eye contact when you're communicating, how you're using appropriate touch, the proximity or the positioning you're taking by somebody, but all those things impact your connection. And when people feel connected to us, they feel safer, they trust us. And again, that just takes down another wall of our communication, actually being able to get through and then there's expression expression is third so we have intention connection expression expression and expression is the words you're using how you're using your body to express your message how your voice sounds when you're sharing this is there congruency between your words and actually how you sound mm-hmm. your movement do you Is the messaging you're, the message you're sharing, is it in alignment with what people are actually physically seeing when you're communicating? Yeah. And and clarity too, Jay, you, you came to my workshop that we did a speaking workshop and how much of a difference it makes when people stop using filler words, when they speak, it sounds so ridiculous, but the clarity in their communication changes. Mm perception so we have intention connection expression then i think there's consideration and that's where things like listening skills come in which is what you're talking about is are you even creating space to learn and gather information about the person in front of you so that you can make your message matter to them Yeah. and then the often overlooked one the fifth one for me would be reflection Oh, yeah. Working on upcoming conversations and speaking, whatever we're going to do, isn't the only way to get better at communication. Often, when I coach individuals, we use past experiences as a way to learn and develop their communication skills. If you and I had a, a difficult conversation last week, it's, it feels much less threatening for me to revisit that conversation and reflect on it and say, what did I say? What did Jay mm-hmm. say? What did I feel when Jay said that? How did I express what I felt? Mm-hmm. What would it, what do I think would have happened if I had said this instead that all of those things are things that coaches and trainers need to be doing, because we don't have to wait for the next opportunity. We have an entire we have 10 years of conversations and interactions that we can use to get better
1: and i think those those five topics there i'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunity Mm -hmm. to break those out and talk about nuanced aspects of of each one of them And, and that's basically a lot of what we'll end up doing on this podcast i think speaking specifically to that very last part that you just talked about there that reflection i think you're you're spot on coaches aren't great at reflecting and i get it i've done those same 40 hour sessions so the 40 hour weeks where i get to the end of the week and i just think, jesus just let me out i just, i'm so wrecked i've got so much kind of emotional baggage i've been coming i've been going i've been getting up at the crack of dawn i've been going over when the sun's gone down i've barely seen my partner i haven't got time to walk the dog i've eaten all my meals from tupperwares that's not a nice place to be and so sitting down and doing a self audit of a training session with a client, whether it was a positive one or whether there was a weird interaction or something, it doesn't sound particularly good. One of the ways, however, I'll say that you can get better or lessen the impact of the nature of the beast of being a personal trainer that does work for those 40 hours, the tail ends of the start, the tail end of the day, is to make your actual training sessions smoother. To have them cost you less. There's some things that are always gonna cost you effort and energy. Doing your own training, you're always gonna to have to work hard. Getting up at the crack of dawn, always gonna to have to, it's always gonna be a challenge. Fitting a meal in throughout the day, always gonna be a challenge. You know, being able to do all your duties, always gonna be a challenge. But if you can create bandwidth by doing your sessions with more efficiency, with less, you know, less clunkiness then that is an incredibly worthwhile thing to do. And doing a self-audit, it's something that I've had coaches do in the past. Um, and it is part of a framework that I've put together for, for coaches on our on staff. Whether it's once a week, once a month, whether it's, it doesn't doesn't matter. You could do it at the end of each day if you wanted, if you you know didn't have that many sessions right now, maybe. Or just making time for some self-reflection. You can think of it almost like journaling for your job. And it's, if you start writing it down, if you start saying, hey, am I hitting my almost kind of KPIs? Am I doing the things within this framework that I think goes into this ideal training session, which I know will be a a podcast that we'll talk about a little bit more as well, I would have thought. If I can say that I'm hitting these check marks, and I don't really like the ideas of check marks, but if I'm hitting these points throughout the training session, I can start building in ways to communicate even more smoothly, even more efficiently. And so that self-reflection part, I think is that's the bit that closes the loop. If I think about those five skills you just mentioned, the first four are important, and the fifth one is the thing that brings us back round to the start, and we do it all again. If we don't do the fifth one, we, we kind of just have like these nebulous things. We'll so, say, okay, well, maybe I'll work on my tone with somebody this week, and I'm maybe not sure how that's gonna shake out towards the end. I don't, I don't know what my objective is, um, or what the intent of working on tone might be. But I think the reflection is the thing that closes the loop all the way around. So I'm excited to, to talk more about that with you. And, and obviously, and at the same time, just learn about that, that that's uh, as a coach, I'm excited to learn about those things as well. So, cause there's always ways that we can always get better. Well,
0: how about we should close this up and here's what we'll yep. do. Jay, tell me if you could give your former self one piece of communication advice, what would it be?
1: <sighs> Such a good one. I think it would be, I'm um, deliberating between two be explicit whether it's asking for what you need or saying for what you want or, or whatever it is is be explicit and then I think the other bit is to know your audience knowing the audience speaking more specifically to the person in front of me rather than speak, communicating from my own biases thinking that everybody should do the same thing would have saved me countless years of my life most likely would have saved me count and I'd, I'd have made a lot more money I'd have been, I'd made a lot more that impact with clients knowing my audience so how about this yeah being explicit with what I want and what I need and at the same time uh, I know that's two so it's cheating so let's say the second one let's say the second one
0: knowing your audience okay for me I would say assume that you're going to be misunderstood mm. when you go into communication and right off the bat you just say the way I'm planning to say this I'm going to misunderstood. it will build in an extra step into your communication process to even further refine what it is you're trying to get at and thinking. And I think that would also incorporate what you're saying of, is this the best way that I can say it for this person?
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. I love those.
0: Jay, great chatting. Looking forward to our next one.
1: Jenny, thanks for your time, mate. Speak to you in a bit. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we actually welcome your input, your feedback and your questions about how we could make the show better for you. And we'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.